ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to another edition of the Nosebleeds Podcast. Michael Calamari here with Brian Rabax and Maddie Bamonte. We have a great episode, three beat reporters on the show, Mets beat reporter, and then me and Brian handle the Yankees. So we're going to talk about both those teams. But before we get there, Maddie, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. There's some loud lawn work getting done outside my house right now. Sorry about that. Um, but I'm doing good. Rangers won last night. Mets had such a big win last night that I was just watching both at the same time. I couldn't have been happier, honestly. So it's been pretty good for me today. Yeah, I think if you're a Mets fan, Yankees fan, doesn't matter what you are. Good time to be a baseball fan in New York. And it's hard not to talk about the Rangers. I'm not sure. Brian, are you are you a Rangers fan? No, no. So, yeah, I hope Maddie had a great time last night because I'm neither a Mets fan nor a Ranger fan. So all my whole timeline last night was Rangers, 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 and it was a lot to handle. So that was that was a lot. But ultimately, you know what? Rangers, good for you. But Tampa, Tampa is not an easy, not an easy team to beat. So, yeah, I know this is not five on three where uh, you can get all your hockey information from <laughs> sports. Quick shout out to five on three. If you want to listen more to about uh, NHL, maybe you're looking to hear about the Rangers and you biasly clicked on this podcast Head over to five on three, but this is the baseball podcast for WFV sports. And we talked a little, little bit about the Mets win. We're going to get to that later in the episode, but Brian, I want to start with the Yankees because you have that split with the Tampa Bay Rays. They lose that last game, but it seems like this team is still in a good direction to win baseball games. They're not as great as they were at the beginning of the season, but things are still going in the right direction and they have to now carry that over into a tough Los Angeles angels opponent that they'll kick off this week. Yeah. So at the start of last week, that's where things really, the adversity really started to kind of, you know, come with this team. We know the whole season was going great so far. And then I believe as of Sunday, Chad Green was on the IL, and then everything kind of starts to snowball after that. Chapman goes down. Loiza goes down. DJ has some sort of injury, and then he comes back a couple days later. Stanton IL. Donaldson gets placed on the IL. So a lot of injuries have picked up recently, but they've still managed to stay afloat and kind of played well. And they won the last two games in the Orioles series and then took it over to the Tampa Bay Rays series, and they split that series, which is kind of disappointing after winning the first two games, but – I think overall splitting a series with the Tampa Bay Rays, you can't really be too upset with that, especially there were some good things to see as well, especially with the pitching. The pitching was really strong in the whole series, and it's really just crazy how the pitching has carried them this whole season. I, I was a firm believer that the pitching staff would be you know, a good pitching staff and something that they were more than capable of putting up good numbers, but I don't think anyone was expecting anything this good. I mean, Nestor Cortez has been – unbelievably good and Garrett Cole has kind of been Garrett Cole but the guy that I think hasn't gotten enough credit is Jameson Tyone. Jameson Tyone has been unbelievable this year. Zierre is under three and he pitched eight shutout innings the other night against the Rays like that's that's all you need and he's pitched great games against the Blue Jays and the Rays so he's really stepping up in the big games that they need him so the pitching staff has been unbelievable so far and it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. So they have a really solid starting rotation and the lineup 
as makeshift as it's been, they've ran into a couple of hiccups recently where they haven't really been able to get the offense going. But Glaber Torres looks like he's kind of back to his old 2019 self, which I think even if you get not necessarily his old 2019 self, I don't think he's going to hit 38 home runs. But if you get some resemblance of the old Glaber Torres, that has to be a victory. And then the middle of the lineup, you know, Stanton or Judge obviously is going to be Aaron Judge. And then when Stanton comes back, it's all going to be fine. So I think the couple of hiccups in the last couple of days with the offense, they'll recover from. And now they got to shift their attention to the Angels series. And the Angels series is going to be tough, but the Yankees are a good team as well. So I don't think it'll be easy for the Angels as well. So it'll be a good series between two good teams. I'm looking forward to it. And the Yankees definitely have their work cut out for them. Yeah, I think definitely looking at the Angels series, looking ahead, I know Noah Syndergaard will take the mound, the ex-Met. And I think, honestly, what I've seen out of the Yankees pitching has been, to me, far better than the Angels. And I think, like you said, Jameson Tyone and, you know, Nestor Cortez, especially with the Yankees, has been absolutely stellar. And I, and I honestly would say that I think the Yankees do have probably the best pitching rotation as of now in the majors. I, and that sucks to say for me, but to me, everything I've seen out of them has been so consistent. I think they have like the second best ERA in baseball right now. It's absolutely like perfect with nobody really outshining like one another. They're all working cohesively. I think the issue with the Yankees when you face a team with like power hitters like Otani, like Trout, is some of your players just not performing as well. And I, and honestly, that brings back to my real questions surrounding Joey Gallo, surrounding oh, Aaron God. Hicks. No, because I every time I see Joey Gallo, I really wonder what he is still doing with the Yankees, why he has not been let go yet, because he has just been so unproductive and it's to the point where he is just not when you have a guy like judge who has been completely leading your team he's been so good and you're having injuries now come into play with other members of the team why are you consistently putting out a guy especially when you're going up against home run hitters like trout in this next west coast series i I, i'm honestly i'm really confused as to what the moves are going to be for them yeah i I, you, you mentioned joey gallo I look at two people in this lineup that are going to have to get it going if the Yankees want to keep things going, especially with this Angel series coming up. First, like you mentioned, Joey Gallo, 167 batting average on the season. It's not only that, but just the lack of power. It took him a while to get that extra base hit. He started to get things going as of late, but his OPS is still 570. He only has six extra base hits, a double, and five home runs. That's just not going to cut it out of a guy who's been in the middle of your lineup for most of the season, starting to slide down to that nine hole just because of his lack of production. He does get on base for you. You know your Joey Gallo is going to do that, but it's still 270, and it's just a product of his batting average being so low. He needs to pick it up. And the other guy's Aaron Hicks, hitting at the Mendoza line, 200. It's just the lack of power. Two extra base hits, a homer and a double, only seven RBIs. It's just tough to have two of your starting outfielders in Gallo and Hicks virtually being outs. And if Stanton, when he's in the IL, Aaron Judge is going to have to play a lot more center field with Hicks struggling. That's a big stressor on him. So it's those two guys for me that need to step it up. I know we've talked a lot about the pitching. The pitching's great. The pitching's almost something where you can just put it away. I'm going to forget about it. They're going to get the job done. You look at the race series, they lose 4-2, they lose 3-1 but they shut him out in game two of the series, winning two, nothing. 
and they beat them seven to two, only letting up two runs in game one. You know, that's a total of nine runs given up throughout that series in four games. Terrific. You're going to take that all every day of the week, every series you play. The pitching is going to be there. There's no doubt about that. Top three in virtually every pitching statistic. But it's the depth of the lineup. And I think when, Brian, when I look at this Yankees team, it's Gallo, it's Hicks. And when guys start to hit the IL and you become reliant on them, it, it starts to worry me. Yeah, so I don't think anyone can really doubt that Gallo and Hicks are problems for the Yankees. There's no we're, – we're past the point where we can kind of ignore that. So – but I think the good thing is, you know, there's a little bit of depth. You know, Miguel and Duhar, I really like him playing left field and really being in the It's just the glove with them, really. It's to right. figure out the glove. He's hitting 286 on the year. I mean, he's someone that I think could help them in the outfield for sure. Yeah, well, I think he's kind of already figured out the glove. I mean, remember when he first came in as an outfielder in 2020, when he first was testing that out, he looked terrible. Yep. And now he looks a lot more comfortable playing left field, so – with the injuries and the other outfielders struggling, I think Andujar staying on this roster could actually really benefit them if he continues to kind of hit well and maintain a nice little average. But yeah, Gallo and Hicks, it's going to be an issue, especially with Hicks, because Hicks Hicks gets on base every now and then. He's he's kind of what I classify as an elite walker, because if you look at all of his advanced metrics, all of them are, are terrible, except for like his chase rate and his walk percentage. So that's really kind of, his strength of the game, but, but he's, been, he, he's been walking less now. I yeah. Think. Now. Yeah. Cause, Cause they're attacking him more because they're kind con- cause he can't really, he's in a massive slide. And the worst thing is that he can't hit with runners on base. It's a, with, yeah. He's I, I don't, I don't, I don't have the number for that, but it's gotta be under 200. I, I've seen, I've seen enough to know that it can't be a good number. And it's just brutal, especially in the last couple of days where DJ LeMay, he was hurt and they had to throw him at the top of the lineup. Just, just not not a great winning strategy but um hicks if hicks can get going a little bit and kind of you know if he can be a 220 hitter and just be at the bottom of the lineup like that's fine especially if you play a decent center field joey gallo i I think joey gallo is just not a fit with the yankees i think the way he plays his game you know who what he's going to be he's going to be a low batting average hitter who's going to hit home runs and he's going to strike out. But once the upside of his game isn't really provided, I think the fan base is just going to turn on him. And I think it's getting to him. I think it's getting to him when we see that it's, we're now going to enter June and he's hitting in the one sixties. So the lineup, the lineup has some concerns, but ultimately they're still winning games. So, you know, the funk that the line has been in, they're still winning games and they're still getting wins. And I think that's the most important thing. So you're going to have to address these things going forward and hope guys, uh, step up if not you might have to look at the trade deadline and see you can add which i think would be a little interesting to see what the yanks can do in the future but they're going to work with who they have now but let's see what this team can do going forward and if they make any changes or alterations to this roster i honestly don't even think this angels series is going to be much of a conflict for the yankees or an issue for the yankees mainly because after what i just saw with them facing off against the Blue Jays. And it was just absolutely kind of the falling apart of the Angels' bullpen. The Angels' bullpen has not been good. They really don't have any key, you know, parts of it. And so it doesn't matter at the end of the day if Otani, if Trout hits home runs, if they lead their team, 
they have no relief staff at all. And so for the Yankees, that could be a good time for some of those players to finally capitalize on some pitchers who might not be good, who might be very, you know, have lack of control over the ball and they can really maybe hope get their numbers a little bit back up because they lost, I think what the angels are on a five game losing streak now. So to me, this is really a chance for some of these struggling Yankee players to really have an opportunity in this angel series. I think it could really go well for them. Yeah. I think this is a good opportunity for the Yankees to take two out of three, continue rolling. Um, You just uh, split with the Rays, like I mentioned, and the schedule, it gets kind of favorable after this angel series, you get the tigers, for a three game set. And then you go to Minnesota for another three games and then you host the Cubs for three games. So that all happens before you have to play the Rays again in the middle of June. Those are series that you should be able to win and sweep. And this is the opportunity for the Yankees to just continue to add to that lead they have in the AL East. It's not the time for them to lose this from the Rays or from the Blue Jays to try to start creep from behind. You have to extend this lead in the AL East as much as you can. And for me, like I mentioned, It's going to come down to Hicks and Gallo. And you mentioned, Maddie, the bullpen for the Angels, it's just not good enough, in my opinion, to be able to shut down this Yankees lineup late in games. So I'm certainly going to be watching for that, the Angels bullpen, then see some of those bottom of the line of bats for the Yankees start to come alive. But seems that's enough Bronx Bombers talk for this episode. I do want to get into the Mets because for me, I think that's the story in New York right now. You know, we've talked about it on shows so many times how, Losing Scherzer and DeGrom, this team has not skipped a beat. They're absolutely dominating. Four straight wins now. They clobber the Nationals last night, 13-5. to Maddie, you're the Mets beat reporter, so I'll turn to you first. What's this Mets team doing right? What's been going well for them that they continue to win games without their top two arms? I think, honestly, it's just the depth they've had in their minor league systems that has really shined through. I think with everybody they've brought up, even not even pitchers, just kids that have come up, Plummer that just came up, Mazika that's been called up, uh, Jankowski that called up, they all have a similar mentality of just, it's not me, it's the team. And I think that really translated well this year in which the Mets is a very it's a very family based team in which everybody feels like they're very close. They want to win together. It's not like one guy leading this team for home runs. It's nothing like that. They all really want to see each other succeed. And when you're facing off against teams in your division that, you know, traditionally have just beaten the heck out of you, like the Braves that they saw their series against that they split, they've really been able to push through. And I think the lack the, the lack of injuries in the field have been pretty good. I think pitching has been where the injuries really have been, but a lot of our fields have stayed pretty healthy. And I think some of these players that struggled last year, like Lindor, who went through the major slump, really got his shine this year. I think there was a lot of change in some of these hitters' approaches at the plate. I remember Pete Alonso talking a little bit about it, and we saw a lot more discipline. I think a real issue with the Mets is swinging on the first pitch. That is something consistently that so many of the Mets will do, but they've gotten more of a handle on it and they've been reading the pitches much more closely. And I think it's just led to a much more like astute awareness of, okay, we got runners in scoring position. What's the best way we get them home at this point? Because I think in previous years, they've just really lacked that. They've lacked that awareness. And I think like last night, especially, 
they said that, you know, after being down in the first inning, after Peterson gives up three runs, they like playing down. They, they absolutely love to be behind the odds and love to, to win that way. And they come back and they score 13 runs. Like it's to me, it's like crazy to think of that. I'm watching like the same team that has just been absolutely very mediocre for the past couple seasons. But Marte has been an incredible addition in terms of that. But the pitching staff really stepped up to do what they had to do. I think Chris Bassett has been one of the biggest shocks for me this year in terms of I never expected to see him perform the way he does. Um, And of course, there was news like the other day where DeGrom said, I feel perfectly normal. And so there's a potential June comeback now for him. If he can figure something out towards late June, I'd love to see him back. Scherzer, I'm kind of unsure about where he is right now, but I think the Mets have secure enough for me where I feel like, okay, we're not falling apart. We're nine and a half games ahead in NL East. We shouldn't be too worried going forward about all of these injuries. And I think they're doing pretty good for where they are now. That's the biggest thing that they're nine and a half games ahead in their division, because I know they were leading a lot in their division last year. They're leading for, from May pretty much until early August, but they, they were, were never leading, nine and a half games by ahead default. They were leading by default. Yeah, It was right. Like exactly. About 500. This is like, they are the, the second bet. They are tied with most wins with the Dodgers. They're second in all of the, um, they're second in all of the NL in record. I mean, this is a different type of year than last year. No, yeah, they're obviously performing really well, and it's kind of crazy. You know, the Scherzer injury happened, and then he goes on the IL, and you kind of think, ah, here it goes. Here's the downfall of the Mets, and they think they've won seven of the last ten since the injury happened. So they've really just been managing to stay afloat, and just they keep winning regardless of what happens. And you mentioned the whole comeback kids narrative. They keep, you know, they keep going down, and they keep coming back. And the offense is a big part of that, obviously, and I mean, Lindor and Pete Alonso just had two ridiculous months of Mays. I mean, Alonso, I think I saw he had 30 RBIs in May. And yeah, he did. Up, he, he leads the NL in RBIs. I think he's second to Ho- Jose Ramirez in the whole league. But Lindor, Lindor was the big piece on offense that they were missing last year. And now he's given you exactly what you kind of want out of your shortstop. You know, he's hitting 260. His OPS is around 800. He's driving in a ton of runs, which is exactly what you need out of guys like that in the middle of the lineup. So they've been managing to really kind of grind and stay on this winning path and they're beating who's in front of them. The issue that I kind of look at is, Oh, look who they kind of have up next. I'm not saying I'm not going to imply that the Mets have had an easy go of it and that they, you know, they've just benefited from easy schedule because they haven't, they've played good teams, but it's, I think it's safe to say the toughest part of their schedule hasn't exactly come to play yet. So Mike, the thing I'm kind of looking at is, the real test is coming up and I really want to assess, you know, what this team is after this next 10 or 12 game stretch. Yeah. I mean, you, you said it perfectly. It's not this series against the nationals. It's everything that happens next. And that's what makes the series against the nationals also much more important. You win game one, 13 to five. Now you got another game tonight, another game tomorrow, and all that before you have to go out to the West Coast and play the Dodgers for four games, the Padres for three, and then the Angels for three. And then you come back home and you host the Brewers. You know, those are those are four like serious series that are going to be a test for your pitching staff and a pitching staff that's lost their top two arms. And they're going to have to find ways 
to get wins. And when I look at this Mets schedule, it reminds me of last season when they had the West Coast trip last year and they absolutely fell apart. Didn't go well. It did not go well. You think about the games against the Dodgers and Giants. And then when they back when they went back home and hosted the Dodgers, it didn't get much better. So I think about that last season. Now, I know it's a different team, but this is the trip every year that's going to define this team. Sweeping the Nationals now, getting those two extra wins so you have a little bit of a comfort room where you're going on the road now would be huge to start. And then you have to play 500 baseball on the road. For that road trip, you have to at least split each series. If you lose two out of three against the Padres, I think you're okay with that. You have to split against the Dodgers. I think you have to win the Angels series because those are going to be the big wins that are really going to be a test of whether this team's the real deal or not. And it's going to come down to the hitting because the pitching can only be so good without your top two guys. If the hitting can keep on doing what they've been doing recently with the whole lineup virtually hitting above 250, which you just don't see nowadays, hitting great with runners in scoring position, that's going to be the difference for me. If they can hit the pitching, you're going to either get it or you're not going to get it. You're not, it's going to be too tough for me. The hitting's the team that we've had since the beginning of the season. They've still the same healthy team we have now. They have to perform against the Dodgers, Padres, and Angels coming up. Yeah, and I think for me, the hitting has not been so much of an issue. They've played the Giants twice this season. They played once the series at home, and they just played them away about last week, I think, or a week before. And their first game against them at San Francisco, winning 13-3, to making just home run after home run, Uh, You know, Pete Alonso absolutely dominated that game in terms of being away on the West Coast for that. And I think, you know, the most important thing, like we said, is just to split the series. I I think, honestly, the trend of Marte hitting in multiple games, Lindor has been hitting, you know, consistently multiple games. Alonso has been hitting. McNeil, Mark Canna, who has been another um, former athletic who has just come over and, you know, he's familiar with the West coast. He'll he's always been pretty good on the road as well. So I feel pretty good about the consistency of the hitting. Like we said, the national series is really going to determine everything um, in terms of how it sets it up, because ideally it would be nice to go in, you know, to um, the Dodger stadium on a six game win streak. That would obviously be kind of the best thing for us. Um, And we're saving, better pitching for that probably we're going to either get a Carrasco or a Bassett start against the Dodgers, which is to me most important. Cause I think once you have those top guys in the lineup, there's immediately like an, okay, we really want to win for our guy. It's the same mentality they have for Jacob deGrom where every time they have him on the mound, although they don't always like deliver with Jacob deGrom, it was the mentality of he's, he's our guy. We got to win for him. And so I think that will continue for them. You know, looking at the West Coast, the West Coast has been such an interesting division to kind of like look at as a whole because they're always so consistent in terms of the battles that go out for both the title and for the wild card every single year. And I think looking at a team like the Dodgers, they, they consistently like are top of the leaderboard for everything. And so even if the Yank, even if the Mets drop the series against the Dodgers, I would be fine with that considering they take the rest of the series against the um, Padres and the Angels. I think the Angels, they could definitely take the series. I think the Padres, it's just power hitting. It would just be a slugfest for me to watch against the two of them. The Dodgers is the only series that I'm genuinely thinking 
we really could potentially lose this, drop this series. And to me, that's okay at the end of the day, as long as the rest of them stay consistent, as long as hitting is consistent, I'm okay with it at the end of the day. Well, yeah, I think that the Mets, you know, we mentioned the West Coast trip last year where they had 12 straight games against the Dodgers and the Giants and they went two and 10. But I think it is a different team. And I think the outlook, even with the injuries, has to be a lot better this time around. And I mean, let's get it out of the way. The teams that they're playing, they're no joke. I mean, the Padres and the Angels, you know, those are good teams. Those are teams that have been really good to start the season. I know the Angels are kind of reeling and now they're going to have to be dealt with the Yankees this week. But they still have a talented roster and, you know, that offense is really good. And if the Mets pitching staff, especially the pitching staff that's kind of been torn apart due to injuries, if you can't really come up in that series, that's going to be a problem. And that's the thing. They're facing a lot of good offenses in this upcoming West Coast trip. The Dodgers speaks for itself with all the players they have. The Padres, Manny Machado, they face a guy like Manny Machado who's been unbelievable this year. And, you know, the rest of that lineup is pretty solid as well. And the Angels really from top to bottom, maybe not the bottom two guys, but really from top, you know, like one to seven, just a lot of really good hitters. So that leaves a lot of room for error for this pitching staff that's, you know, really kind of being relied upon to step up in big roles. Bassett, I believe, should be able to handle it. But what about guys like uh, Taiwan Walker and then Peterson? You know, there's a lot of question marks with the rotation. So I think the rotation is going to be the big key in this upcoming West Coast trip and how they perform will determine how this West Coast trip goes. And I think if if the pitching staff can give them something, it'll really set the tone for this rest of the season and really show the whole league and the rest of the division that the Mets are the team to beat in the East. Yeah, you're looking yeah. – uh, sorry to cut you off, Matty. I'm just, I'm just looking up some stats. Dodgers and Angels, top two teams in OPS this season. The Brewers not fall, far off at eight. So those are just three offenses they'll have to face at the next four series. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, the hitting as the big thing for me. And the reason for that is because the, the, uh, the pitching is just not going to – you're not going to have your top two guys, like I mentioned, but the lineup's the same as you had. You need to prove that this is a lineup that can win you a World Series, and you're going to go against some of the best pitching in the league. The Dodgers, 2.72 team ERA, that's first in the majors. The Brewers, 3.28 team ERA, that's fourth in the majors. Not far after, the 11th in the majors, Los Angeles Angels of 3.68 ERA. And I skipped over the Padres, sixth in the MLB with a 3.44 team ERA. These are all top 12 pitchings, um, pitching rotations and bullpens in the MLB. So you're going to have to score the runs to win this game, regardless of how your pitching does. Yeah, and I, I know you just mentioned um... – the Brian, the difficulty in pitching, but uh, to me, even like last night, for example, with the Peterson start where he gives up three runs in the top of the first, the rest of the game with the relievers, when Holderman comes in was consistent. I'm not too concerned about some of their relievers as I was in previous years, mainly because I feel especially confident in Diaz's closer. And I think that has kind of changed my outlook of the bullpen in Pre, in, like in previous years, Hasman is good. Shreve has been pretty good. Um, I would say the worst person of the bullpen and is the only concern for me on this road trip in terms of that is Ottavino. Ottavino has consistently blown games, giving up home, multi-home runs in consistent times he has appeared. So to me, looking at him, I'm very worried, you know, when Buck Showalter decides to put him in for one of these games, because it's going to happen. And you have to admit that it's going to happen. At what point 
do you put him in the game to ensure that, hey, we don't blow this game because the Dodgers are a very capable team of hitting a home run off of him, as are the Angels, as are the Padres. And so you can't stress, you can't spread the entire bullpen thin because they only have so many guys left in there. And if you're going to continuously rotate through the nights, you know, you can't use Lugo every single night, can't use Shreve every single night, can't use, you know, everybody else. To me, Ottavino is the thing holding this pitching relief back. And that is, to me, the major concern when I look at some of these big hitters for the Dodgers, for the Padres, for everything like that. And I think that's something that, you know, kind of goes under the radar because we usually have a worse bullpen, believe it or not, every single year. Like it's absolutely awful. But this to me, I think will be the breaking point for the road series. And I want to see if there's going to be any change that Showalter makes after this in terms of Ottavino, because he just really has not impressed me at all. Well, yeah, you mentioned in recent years, the bullpen has been bad. I think it's good now that you really have one kind of glaring weakness rather than pretty much it being everybody. So that kind of shows it's an easy fix. Now, yeah, you mentioned Ottavino. He's going to have, he's going to have to come in at some point in this West coast trip, because if they're playing closed games over and over and over again, he's got to go in there and he's got to prove he can get out. And so far this year, he hasn't proved he can do that. You know, he, let up the bomb against uh, the Phillies the other night. So he's really, he's really been an issue and it's really just continued from 2020 with the Yankees to 2021 with the Red Sox. And now he's doing it again with the Mets. So it's not proving to be a great signing and the Mets they've shown that if you're not really doing your job, you know, they're not willing to cut you loose. We saw them do that with Cano with all the money he's making. So imagine what they're going to do with Ottavino if he doesn't get something going. So I believe that, yes, he's, he's definitely a weakness and, He's got to prove himself a little bit. And yeah, the bullpen, the bullpen as a whole has been fine, but that's definitely the area that, you know, you're most concerned about. But at the end of the day, it's better to have one guy that's not really pulling his weight than the whole bullpen doing it. So I think you have to be pleased with the mess with what they've given you. But Adam Adovino, yeah, he had to be better, dude. But I don't know how possible that is. He's kind of had a rough go of it recently in the last couple of years. As the Mets finish up, there's two games left against the Nationals. They'll play 13 between the Dodgers, Padres, Angels, and then come back home to play the Brewers. That's a total of 15 games. Maddie, I'll start with you. Then we'll head over to Brian before we wrap up. 15 games over that span. What's a good record for the Mets to come out of this schedule with that you're satisfied with if you're Buck Showalter and the Mets? I think honestly, when you look, I, I think it goes back to what I said where I would be, I feel like a loss against the Dodgers would not be too unfavorable in his eyes. When you're looking at probably the number one team in baseball, you want to at least take hopefully two of those games. Like we said, going 500 in the, in the in the stretch, I think is most important. I think especially coming home, there is definitely an emphasis on playing better. So seeing that Brewers team at home you really expect to try to take those as much as you can. You want to win as home as much as you can. I think, you know, taking the series against the Padres could be possible, but at the end of the day, I think he's less worried about the wins. Consistently, every time I've spoken to Buck, he's been really much just about is the team hitting, are they performing, wins to him matter slightly less than – are my players really performing? Did they give it their all? 
are we seeing consistent results? And at the end of the day, ending on 500, that's all I could hope for. And I think that's all they really hope for as well. Obviously you want to show, give it your all against like the number one team, especially going to the West coast. 500 is good enough for me. Given that they're not healthy and they're missing Max Scherzer, I think eight and seven is kind of, you know, the baseline of satisfactory. You'd be satisfied with eight and seven, I believe. But if you go maybe nine and six and then win maybe 10 games on this upcoming stretch of games with the Giants, Padres, Brewers and Angels, I think that would that would really show that the Mets, they're legit. That would really kind of prove it. I know they've kind of shown that so far, but if they really have a good uh, stretch of games here, they're going to prove that they're not only the best team in the NL East, but they're a real force in the National League as a whole. And I think you can be satisfied with maybe eight wins, but I think you should really be shooting for nine, 10 wins and prove that this team, hey, they're here and they can really make a run in the in the National League. So I think that the sky, if they can win a lot of games here, the Mets are a team to look out for. I, I like that, Brian. The There's a lot of positives that would come out if the Mets get nine, 10 wins out of this 15-game span. If they do that, then wow, that's a message. You don't have your two best pitchers and you dominate against all these powerhouses on the West Coast. So for me, it's a lot of time for the Mets to really make a statement to the rest of the league. Now, let's say they go six and nine, seven and eight over this span. I still think that's a win just because you're shorthanded on the pitching end of things. Uh, and you still come away with five plus wins out of 15 games. That's not awful considering the opponents they have, but the ceiling and the sky's really a limit for this team. If they win these games and they can come out of here with a plus 500 record out of these 15 games, I think it sends a great message to the rest of the league. And it would really show everyone else that has doubted the Mets at when they always have those hot starts, if they can sustain it then maybe this is a lot more sustainable. But I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Nosebleeds podcast. Michael Calamari here with Brian Rabax and Maddie Pomonte wrapping up our talk on the Yankees and Mets. Yankees starting an Angels series this week. The Mets wrapping up a national series. Before they head to the West Coast, you're going to hear all your takes on our post-game reports this week. And then next week, we'll get back with another episode of the Nosebleeds. Have a great evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. The Nosebleeds production of WFEV Sports.